Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin. Unfortunately, I do not have Joe joining me today. He was a late scratch after uh, not feeling too well last night, so get well soon to Joe. But the uh, show must go on, so I had to pivot and do some different things. But I'm so excited to talk to you guys today about some Thunder basketball. So let's get straight into it. You know, the Thunder are playing some games of consequence. Sam Presti earlier this season in the preseason talked about games of consequence and that the Thunder could shift to development if there aren't any more games of consequence. But it feels like we're in that range where the Thunder are playing those games of consequence, those games that matter as they are still in the thick of it in the fight for that play-in race this late in the season with about 16 games to go. I thought a prime example of this was the other night whenever the Thunder beat the Golden State Warriors. You could just tell by the rotations and the different ways that Mark was coaching that he's just it's he's operating differently. Just the way that they're putting guys in and out. Maybe I'm overthinking this, but it, it appears that way to me. Maybe it's something with Shea's minutes because they're chopping it up and he's in and out instead of his uh, normal rotations I mentioned last week where it's six minutes um, or full first quarter, six minutes in the second full third, and then the last six minutes in the fourth. Maybe it's just chopping things up, but he's making decisions that are just different where certain guys aren't getting the same opportunities to be out on the floor, and I think that a lot of that is on purpose to try to win some of these games, and I think the Thunder are obviously not necessarily pushing for the play-in, but they're not backing away from it and using the T word tanking like some people have talked about. All this Shea conversation is ridiculous. Mark already laid out the game playing with Shea's abdominal injury. And I already looked it up that usually the um, the timetable is a few weeks. Or if it's more serious, it can be six to eight weeks or something more long term. And they said the only real solution for this type of injury is just rest. But Shea wants to play through it. And he's a franchise player. So that's what's going to happen. And they are still in the thick of things where they're going to have a chance. So I thought it would be interesting as we get into these games of consequence to talk about the five most important games for the rest of the season out of the 16 left. Because obviously some games are going to be more important than others. Any game you can win or lose in the NBA doesn't really matter. There's a lot of talent around the league and there's a lot of variance, especially with a three-point line where anybody can lose on any given night. There's not a juggernaut 17-18 Warriors team going around right now in the NBA. It's a pretty even playing field, even for a team as young as the Thunder. The first one I want to get into is at the Pelicans tomorrow. We recently got word that J-Dub and Shea Gilgis-Alexander will both be back. So that is very, very important. The Thunder did not look too sharp on the second night of a back-to-back against the Phoenix Suns the other day. Um, So that was unfortunate, but they will get both of those guys back against the Pelicans in a very, very big game. You know, not to beat a dead horse, but the Pelicans obviously have been a team that's really countered the Thunder well. They've had their number. They're 3-0 and against them in this team series this season. Um, the last time the Thunder even won against New Orleans was back in December 26th of 2021, and they haven't won in New Orleans since November 10th of 2021. So going on like a year and a half here. Brandon Ingram is questionable for the game, so who knows about his activity or his availability. Zion, obviously, is not going to be playing. I think there was a update maybe earlier today or yesterday from Shams or Woj about him being reevaluated in a couple weeks or not missing any more than a couple more weeks. So that doesn't really pertain to the Thunder. Um, Jose Alvarado and Larry Nance Jr. will also be out, but the Pelicans still 
provide a lot of problems for the Thunder with lineups of guys like Herb Jones, Jonas Valanciunas, C.J. McCollum, Trey Murphy, Josh Richardson, Dyson Daniels, and more. The Pelicans just possess a lot of, I don't know, length and athleticism and size that is problematic for the Thunder. And they are uniquely suited with one of the few guys who really matches up well with Shea defensively, and that's Herb Jones. Shea's had the best, gotten the best of Herb. Herb's gotten the best of Shea. It kind of goes back and forth. I would still take Shea, obviously, in this matchup. If we're saying, do you think that Shea can come through, even through an injury, and play well in this game? I think he would. Um, I'm going to lean towards the Thunder side. The Pelicans have just been bad recently. They've only won two of their last 13 games. One of them was against the Blazers, and the other one was against the Mavericks the other day when Luka Doncic went down with an injury. Obviously, you still have to win that game. The Pelicans had their injuries of their own. I don't think Ingram played in that game. Zion obviously didn't either. C.J. McCollum was great. I think he had over 40. But it, it should be interesting, and I don't know. The Pelicans are just a very, very volatile team. They've been up and down all season, more down recently. But I think the Thunder have a very, very good chance to get a win in that one and one of the more important games that we'll see tomorrow night. Next up, we have at the Blazers on March 26th. The Thunder, just like against the Pelicans, have played three games against the Blazers. Only on this side, they're on the opposite end of the spectrum where the Thunder are 3-0 against the Blazers, which have all been very, very close games, all Three games have been decided by single digits. The most recent one in Portland, the Thunder won by nine. But the two in Oklahoma City were decided by two points and three points. So I think the Thunder just have the the Blazers' numbers. You know, Lou Dort is uniquely suited to guard somebody like Damian Lillard and kind of cut the head off of that snake, even though you can't really stop Damian Lillard or hope to contain him. It's just, can you make things difficult for him? Thunder fans are no stranger to Damian Lillard knowing in a big-time game he can go off for 50 and do anything like that. It's damn time for a reason, but I just trust the Thunder, and I think with the amount of small guards that the Blazers put out in the rotations, whether it be Anthony Simon, Shaden Sharp, Damian Lillard, I think the length and size of the Thunder that I mentioned with the Pelicans can come into play in that side too, and they also just don't have the most mobile bigs to get out there and switch on guys like J-Dub, Shea, Josh, and others. Uh, I mean, they do have Jeremy Grant, but in those minutes where you're playing Nurkic or whoever their backup fives are who are coming off the bench who are really slow-footed, I think that I'm going to take the Thunder in that matchup, and I think they go up 4-0. Next up is, um, I only said I said I would do five games, but I have six. Technically, these are two games, but I'm just lumping them into one. And if you uh, have a problem with it, I'm sorry. Sue me, but it's happening. And that is at the Clippers on March 21st and... March 23rd. Um, com- coming into this game, the Thunder are 2-0 and against the Clippers, both home games. Also in a baseball series like this where it was both home games within like a three-day span. Um, the Clippers, obviously 0-2. Kawhi Leonard played in zero of the- those games. Paul George played in one of them. But the Thunder just really took it to him. And it's just so hard to understand or really give an informed take on the Clippers at this point in the season with Kawhi, Paul George, and heck, even Shea are not necessarily guys that you can rely on to be in the rotation or in a game right now. Obviously, Shea's, I would assume he's going to play. I'm not going to say obviously, since it's not a back-to-back and they have some rest in between those games, but who knows with Kawhi and Paul George. And then the Clippers have just been the most consistent, inconsistent team in the NBA. They have a high level of talent, but it's just every single game it feels like there's something going on for them even before the rest stuff just 
some weird things going on with the Clippers, but they do have one of the more talented rosters in the NBA, so that's not something that you can just shrug at and think you're going to get an easy win. They have a really good coach in Ty Lue, and they still have two really phenomenal elite players in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So by no means is this a cakewalk, but I think the Thunder split this series. Next up is going to be really interesting, and I think this is going to be a loss, and that is March 24th against the Lakers. So the Thunder will play three games in four nights, all in L.A., so there's no travel, but it's still going to be a big deal. And as I mentioned, Shea's not playing back-to-back, so I would assume he's not playing in that one. And the Lakers have been on a roll recently and playing some much better basketball. Anthony Davis has looked more like himself. And who knows with LeBron, maybe he's going to come out with a bionic arm or whatever he's putting into his body. Maybe he went over to Germany and got some injections. Just joking here, but if anybody can recover from injury fast, it's going to be LeBron. Um, We haven't had a ton of updates on him, so he could potentially play in that one. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I just... I get a bad feeling about that specific road trip going into L.A. and Staples Center against a Lakers team who has been cooking recently. But it's still a toss-up game, but if I had to pick, I'd say the Lakers at this point. And then the last one on that road trip is at the Warriors. This is a complete toss-up. The Thunder and the Warriors have had some very, very competitive games. Um, Even just, you know, earlier this week was a classic game between the Thunder and the Warriors where Steph goes off for 40, makes 10 threes, but the Thunder's young trio of Josh Giddy with a triple-double, career high and assist. Shea scores over 30. J-Dub was awesome. And some other things, they get a win. Um, the Thunder did lose the other one game they had in Golden State. That's when Clay Thompson went off for 40 without Steph in the lineup. And then another home game, I think the Warriors won in Oklahoma City earlier this season. But just two teams that are very, very interesting stylistically against each other where you have the veteran um, experience of the Warriors, and then you just have this reckless, unaware, youth abandoned play style of the Thunder who are just afraid of nobody. But this game's going to be important, even if the Thunder, you know, at this point in the season, it's going to be the third to last game of the season for the Thunder, so we're going to have a very, very good idea of where they're in the standings, if they are going to have a chance for the playoffs, for the play-in, or whatnot. But the Warriors, for sure, are going to care about this game, Because it is important if they want to have a chance to get home court, if they want to get a certain matchup and seeding wise, or if they just overall want to not um, have to fall down into the mix of the play in, this is going to be a game that's going to be a must win on their side as well. So I think you're going to see both teams trying very hard to get this game, barring something crazy happening with the Thunder where they drop eight in a row or something like that, knock on wood. But I think all of these games are going to have extreme consequence because you look at the mix. The Clippers, the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Lakers, and the Warriors are all like very, very close in the Western Conference standings. Let me pull this up here real quick. And so currently, the Oklahoma City Thunder sit at the 12 spot in the West. They're half a game behind Utah. They're tied with Portland. They are a game behind New Orleans, who's in the 10 spot in the play-in who's also tied with the Lakers at nine. The Warriors are currently at six, but they're tied for seven with the Grizzlies, and that's what I'm talking about is missing the play-in. The Warriors are going to want to win that one, and the Pelicans are fighting for their lives just at 10 right now on that down sled that we were talking about. And the Clippers as well are only half a game above the Warriors at five. So to go down the um, the standings, Denver one, Sacramento two, Memphis three, um, Phoenix four. Those are kind of 
unattainable. Those spots are kind of set in stone, barring something crazy happening. And then you get into this little mix of the Clippers, Warriors, and um, Wolves, who are all separated with half a game. The Clippers lead the charge by half a game, but the Warriors and Wolves are right behind them, as well as the Mavericks, who I can't believe I just didn't mention, who also sit at 12 and a half games uh, back of Denver and half a game back of the Clippers. And then you have the second tier mix of the play-in, which is the Lakers, Pelicans, Jazz, and Thunder, and Portland Trailblazers, who are all separated by a game or half a game. So that should be very interesting. I I, uh, we talked about this last week with Joe, but the play-in has made things extremely interesting where a lot of these games that were inconsequential because teams didn't have a chance at the postseason. If you were at the 12 spot at this point in the season three years ago, four years ago before the play-in, you already knew you're out. You're probably packing it in. But you're giving a little bit more life to a lot of these teams, a little bit more of a window for them to keep pushing in and trying. And just, I think it's a nice thing. The play-in's been fun. Uh, There are people who complain about it, but... I'm all for the play-in and some more basketball. And then also I went ahead and went on Twitter and Joe had some uh, different questions that Twitter followers sent his way. And I decided to answer a few of these because I thought it was fun. I thought they were very good questions. We're going to do a mailbag hopefully soon um, that Joe and I will get on or maybe I'll just send it out, try to get some mailbag questions or maybe it'll be on the Thunder Buddies Uh, podcast Twitter or something like that but let's get right into the questions the first one comes from camecot underscore f what can imply this news for the thunder uh, for their interest and this was um, a repost of the hoops hype post about Serbian guard Vasily Micic who was represented by well-known agency Wasserman now who has been um, Wasserman also has big name players uh, under their umbrella, such as Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Demonis Sabonis, Evan Mobley, Clay Thompson, and more. Mitchich has his draft rights owned by the Thunder. Mitchich is a two-time EuroLeague Final Four MVP and widely considered the best guard in all of Europe. So what does this mean for the Thunder is basically the, the question here. I'm going to say not that much. I think this is just another thing where Mitchich has done this for years and years and years is he acts like he has this interest in the NBA just to drive up his value more in Europe. He gets a bigger contract. He stays. I think that if he was going to move over, it would have happened by now. And even if he was to move over, it's going to be in a situation where the Thunder trade his rights to someone else and then they get something back. I don't think he fits necessarily the timeline. I think he's already in his 30s and the uh, Thunder already have their main ball handlers. So I don't think he wants to come over from being one of the well, being the best guard in Europe and come back and be the sixth man or worse on the Thunder in their rotation where you're not even getting more ball handling minutes than Josh Giddey, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Jalen Williams, and others. So it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. This just looks like a leverage money play by Mitchich and more power to him. But yeah, I have no confidence at all that he's coming over anytime soon, especially to the Thunder. Next up from call underscore me underscore kits do you think poku's return will have any significant impact on the team it's tough to know uh, you know with him coming off such a serious injury late in the season i think it's going to take some time to get some run in the games remaining and shake that rest off he's going to get a chance i think the thunder will play him if he's healthy but who knows what he looks like so i know i'm kind of hedging here but there's no way to know if he's going to be impactful in a good way or in a bad way, 
until we see him out on the floor and see what he looks like, because this is a pretty serious injury. It was um, six to eight weeks, and they were going to reevaluate him, as Joe and I talked about on the last pod. He's been reevaluated. He got pushed back a little bit. He went to the blue, practiced with them. Now he's back with the Thunder. But there's just, you don't know what a guy looks like until you know what he looks like out there playing. And with Poku, who's just such an interesting polarizing player with his skill set and some of his inconsistencies there's just no way to know what sort of poku we're gonna get it's been a long stretch since he's played he did have some stretches that were some pretty good basketball but coming in late in the season when the team's sort of in a groove right now and trying to join the rotation in a mix uh, where you've been missing a lot of time is a very very tough thing to do but i think the thunder are going to give him a chance Um, but the most important thing for poku right now is not to re-injure himself. Obviously, this season is important, but the Thunder are always going to talk about the long-term plans in the future and have a much bigger picture view of things. And with Poku, you have to make sure that he is healthy going into the offseason. The offseason is where young players really, really improve, and you see those guys take those leaps. And the last thing you want for a guy like Poku, who needs to work on his body, needs to work on his game, he's entering his... um fourth year in the league now going into the next season in a contract year and you want him healthy so he can work on basketball skills and other things and not just be rehabbing more of his leg and other stuff like that so I think that's going to be more of a concern but at the same time if he's healthy the Thunder are going to play him if he's not healthy they're going to sit him and they're going to prioritize this summer so we'll see I'm sure that Mark will give him a chance and see what happens but there's I have no confidence either way of what type of impact, good or bad, he will have. All I know is I think that he will get a chance to get some minutes um, in the duration of the rest of the season in the last 16 games. From at Thunder Jack, what current Thunder players will be off the team by the start of next season? This is tough. I don't want to cut anybody, but for the sake of this question, I will put my GM hat on. Uh, The Thunder currently own their own first-round pick with swap rights with the Clippers, which basically has no chance of happening unless something crazy occurs. So the Thunder are going to be locked into their own spot, picking with their first, not the Clippers. And then they also have a second-round pick. So I'm going to just assume we have to move two contracted players out. So the two-way guys will not be eligible for this, so we have to move two full-contracted guys. The first one... Pains me to say it, but Lindy Waters, he was converted off a two-way into a full-length contract, and I think it's going to be something similar over the summer as what happened with Eugene Omarui, where they um, Thunder rewarded their guys and their system with a full-length contract, but I think that they're going to want to get other guys with a higher ceiling into this building, especially with these picks that they have. Uh, Lindy's been good, and there's also still a chance that he can just come back on another two-way, or he can rejoin the blue or something like that. But um, I think that he's probably the easiest one out the door. And then the second spot is a lot more interesting. So I'm, I'm pretty out on Trey Mann currently. He's just not been playing very good basketball. The confidence you can tell is just very obvious, but the skill is undeniable. And there's still people in the Thunder building who are still high on him and want to give him a chance, even though he's been very, very poor in his sophomore year. He's the definition of a sophomore slump coming off a of rookie year where he showed uh, very big flashes. Um, but the Thunder, like I mentioned, have guys in the building who still believe in him. They invested a first-round pick in him two years ago. So I think they, they want to give him at least one more season to see what's going on. 
which is bad news for my guard, Dario. You know, Joe said I'm the leader of the Dario bandwagon. It looks like I am. I have been assigned my seat as the driver of the bus. But Dario, um, he is the easiest one, if Trey is not gone, to be moved out because his contract does end at the end of the season. It will expire. So that's just money off your books. Wipe your hands. You don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to negotiate. You just say, thanks for playing with us. Good luck in your future endeavors. And then, you know, sneaky here, JRE has also not been great lately. He's shown flashes over the last couple of years of being a helpful player and being able to fit into the system, but he's just been the ultimate funk and slump since coming back from his ankle injury and has been very, very inconsistent. He's looked slow-footed. The shot has not been there, but I'm not ready to give up on him yet because, I mean, the Thunder have talked about it, it was from Mark uh, Dagnall said it was an impressive ankle sprain and obviously it was impressive because he missed about two months. So who knows with him, but I, I'd like to give him a chance over the off season. And as Presti said last year, you're not in a big hurry. Even if you have a full roster and you draft some other guys, you don't have to cut them until training camp. So the Thunder, I'm sure will have it in mind or it'll be on the table to just have an open competition for the, some of those spots and just go all summer with, Maybe they keep Trey, Lindy, Dario, Jerry. All those guys are still on the roster, and you add those other two guys, and then you finalize your roster into training camp, but you just let those guys fight it out for those minutes. Presti's talked about it, but some guys are going to get left behind, and um, competition makes guys better. Iron sharpens iron, and I think that more guys who come in and realize, it's like, oh, there's really talented guys behind me. I can't just play my game, and I'm going to keep getting minutes. And you've already seen some casuals tease to that, like, uh, Teo Maladon, Darius Baisley, guys who were in the rotation and played big minutes, started some games, but then the Thunder keep accumulating talent and getting some of those draft picks in, and suddenly there's a higher pedigree on the back end of the roster who are pushing up for minutes and kind of take those guys out of the way. You've even seen it on the free agent market with Isaiah Joe, but the Thunder are going to continue to improve and continue to develop. But if you had to make me choose, I guess I would say Lindy and Dario are the two guys out the door who will not be returning next season. From at BHAFC Felix, sorry if I pronounced that wrong. If everyone is healthy, what is our best starting five? This is very interesting. I'm doing this under the impression that it's like pre-draft, so I'm not counting whatever the pick, uh, whatever pick the Thunder get, whether it's one and you get Victor Wimbanyama by some chance, or you get twelve and you get somebody a little bit later. I'm just not even going to calculate that. I'm just going to go with guys who are on the roster currently. And I have two different lineups for you. The more traditional one is Shea, Giddy, Dort, J-Dub, and Chet, which I think is going to be a lineup that starts a lot next season. But if you want to get spicy and just what is the best starting five, like close out a game, it might be Shea, Giddy, J-Dub, Kenrich, and Chet. Kenrich just continues to make winning plays, and I value some of his extra shooting and playmaking that he gives you over Dort, but Dort, as an elite defender, gives you some other things, so maybe it's Dort in that lineup instead of Giddy. I think it's going to be a lot matchup dependent, but I think no matter what iteration it is, three guys are going to be out there for sure, and that's J-Dub, Chet, and Shea. Uh, but should be an interesting five. I mean, I've, I've been so excited about that all season, and the more you watch these guys play, the more excited you get because Chet just fits perfectly into what they need. As I've talked about earlier this season, there's just a Chet-shaped 
hole right in the middle of this roster, right at the center position. And it's like, well, the Thunder would be really good if they'd had like a, a big who could catch lobs and spread out to the floor and block shots and switch a little bit. And it'd be cool if he fit into the Thunder system where he could play make some and handle the ball. And it was just weird. And it's like, oh, that's Chet. And he's already on the roster. So the Thunder are in a very, very good position going forward. And I'm very excited to see what they look like with um, a full healthy roster, knock on wood, going into next season with those five guys out there. And then the last one is from at the kill 405. What's your favorite moment of the season so far? That is tough. Um, it has been a lot of fun. I am very blessed. That I get to work with people like Joe Masato and Barry Trammell and others who have been very generous to me and helped me out a lot. So that's been very cool. Um, if we're just talking about games that I've been to or watched, um, the Warriors game the other day was a lot of fun. The Celtics game where they beat the Celtics and scored about 150 without Shea on the floor was really cool. Um, Shea's game winner against the Blazers. I'm just thinking out loud here. And some more, I guess, media side ones where um, talking to Damian Lillard was really cool as a player that I watched growing up and uh, watches highlights and watches mixtapes and other things like that. And just getting to talk to him one-on-one -on -one was really cool. And he was very generous with his time and uh, generous with his answers, especially after loss, which I know players do not have to do. So shout out to Dame for being a cool guy. But I think maybe the maybe this is a joke. Maybe it's not. But the coolest thing that happened to me was actually um, last week whenever the Kings were here. And I asked a question to Kings head coach Mike Brown about player development and I asked him about why do players get extra chances at development you know they'll say it's not the right system for this guy it's not the right coaching staff it's not the right fit it's not the right this or that and they'll get chance after chance as you've seen with guys like for instance Cam Reddish who's on his fourth team I think uh no he's on his third team yeah he went to the Hawks then the Knicks and now the Blazers but yeah chance after chance is a highly um, touted prospect, even if it's not really materialized anything. Whereas coaches, it feels like there's not a lot of lenience with them. They don't have a lot of time. And if you're bad in your first three years as a head coach, you might never get another chance. So I asked um, Mike Brown why he thinks that is, that coaches don't get those chances and how he feels like he's improved the most as a coach over his years. Because for those who don't remember, Mike Brown was the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers when they made the NBA Finals in 2007 with LeBron when he was like in his early 20s. And then he was the head coach of a couple more Cavs teams. And then he was the head coach of the Lakers with Kobe for a few years. And then uh, more recently, he was assistant on a lot of the Warriors staffs with Steve Kerr. And when Steve Kerr was out, he filled in as a head coach for some different playoff games and different regular season games. So he has a high pedigree as a coach. But the more important thing that I want to talk about is that he's gotten the second chance. But the cool part about it was that I uh, I asked him about it, and he was very, very kind. And um, I asked him that question, and he goes, first of all, I don't know what your question was, which I was immediately panicking. And the second he said was, um, well, as soon as you become an NBA GM, I want to work for you, so you'll give me some leniency, which was very, very funny, very cool. I had a bunch of people after words asking me um, in the media room they're like is that the best is that the coolest thing that's happened to you and I was still in awe like I couldn't believe that happened just to have a head coach say something like that, uh, that about you even if it is you know um, a little bit uh, in a joking manner Mike Brown's a nice guy but I appreciated him uh, giving it up for a question because I worked hard on that question but 
overall, it's been an incredible season. I'm so blessed and happy and lucky to be in a position where I get to do this, where I get to talk on the Thunder Buddies, where I get to work, as I mentioned, with guys like Joe Masato, Barry Trammell. I've had a lot of freedom um, to make this podcast my own in a lot of ways, and I do not take that for granted. It's not something that I'm just like a mow over. I know I'm very lucky. I'm also very lucky to have the people who listen day in and day out to our podcast at the Thunder Buddies. We're so lucky to have you. Uh, Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, um, follow, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends about us. Tell your mom about us. Tag us on Twitter. Do anything. We want to continue to grow this community and continue to give you the best under content that we can. Um, Let's see what will happen this weekend as they play against, as the Thunder play against the Pelicans. But thank you so much for listening. And I will leave you with the sound of the Mike Brown quote. uh, And we will be back on Tuesday. I don't know what your question was, but when you become a GM, I want to work for you.